three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglour. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, Roquan Smith wants a trade. We'll explain in just a moment. Plus a brand new interview today with two Bears legends, Jason McKee and Alex Browns. We talk with them about the Bears-Seahawks game, Bears football, their careers, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. You can watch more of this show, go to sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. Self-perception is key. Need to be truthful with your own personal worth. Don't be too high. Don't be too low. The truth will eventually come out. You might consider yourself a $20 million player or a $20 million executive, when in reality, you shouldn't even have a job. The truth will find you, and it will humble you. No question, it will. It's a life skill And it transcends sports. It's a life lesson. Understand how much you're worth and evaluate it compared to other people or the market so you're not going to be left blindsided when the truth comes out. Roquan Smith has not learned the art of self-perception. He has no idea what that term means. If he did, he wouldn't be asking for a trade from the Bears after being offered something from Ryan Pauls. Self-perception is key. So Roquan Smith wants to be paid as the best linebacker in football. But in reality, he's not even close. He might be top five, top ten, but he's not number one. He's not better than Darius Leonard. Is he? Am I wrong? Last time I checked, Darius Leonard is an all-pro every year. Defensive rookie of the year. Tons of forced fumbles and takeaways. Does Roquan do that? Take a look at the numbers. Roquan for his career, one forced fumble. Leonard has 17. Leonard has 30 passes dependent. Roquan, 17. Leonard, every year, racks up tackles. Roquan does too, but not as many as Leonard. That's just one guy, by the way. So do you think Roquan Smith deserves 
more money? That's the question here. And the answer is a sorry no. See, the truth is starting to come out for Roquan Smith. He's starting to realize what his true worth is. And I'll tell you what, it's not $20 million per year. I'm sorry. He is a quality player. He's a great linebacker. But he is not worth $20 million per year. And the reason I'm getting so passionate about this is because it's so annoying to hear this story time and time again. He's not worth it. And he has no agent. And he has people making calls on his behalf to agents and GMs asking for trades. Dude, get your life together. Get it together. It sickens me. Understand your self-worth. You are not worth $20 million. And the response to the Bears saying no is having some random person call other teams on your behalf. Why? You don't have an agent. I'm not saying you need an agent to be successful, but obviously Roquan has no clue about how to negotiate contracts or judge the linebacker market or judge any market. If he's an economics major and he knows what he's doing, great. He doesn't. It's been clear. We've seen it. This is disgraceful what he's doing. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a Roquan Smith problem. This is not a Ryan Poles problem. This isn't even a Bears problem. It's a Roquan Smith problem. Why? He did this once already under Ryan Pace. He pulled this crap once under Ryan Pace. He's doing it again with a new GM. If you want to be paid number one money, guess what? Be number one. You're not. You're fifth. Tenth. Not number one. At your position. You should not be making $20 million per year. That's insane. And the response to not getting it mind boggles me even more. Had some random person calling people on your behalf. You're disorganized. You're all over the place. You're not practicing. Everybody's being silent about fines and team discipline. This whole thing has turned into a story that didn't even need to happen. Drama that could have been avoided. And it's all Roquan's fault. Nobody else is to blame here. You can say whatever you want. Oh, this is Ryan Poles. This is the Bears. It's the McCaskies. I'm actually going to defend them right now. It's not their fault. Roquan Smith is all over the place. And what he views to be his self-worth is inflated. He is exalting himself when he should be Humbled, and I hope this whole experience is humbling him a bit. He needs to understand this is not what he's worth. Take a look in the mirror. And I'm not trying to discredit him. I'm not trying to say he's a bad player. I think he's a great linebacker. He's just not worth what he's asking for. And the response is childlike. It's babyish. And it's stupid. And it makes him look stupid. You've been offered a significant contract from Ryan Poles. I know if the Bears have offered him something, take it then. If you don't want it, okay, fine. Play out the last year of your contract and find somebody new. But this whole media circus and the crying and the no agent and the continuing ripple effects of this story make him look like an idiot. And it's only getting worse. Get it together, Roquan. Get it together, Roquan Smith and his quote-unquote agent or whomever is making these phone calls. 
get it together. Roquan said this, quote, The deal sent to me is one that would be bad for myself and for the entire linebacker market if I signed it. Adding that the new regime doesn't value him and refused to negotiate in good faith. Oh my goodness. Bad for the linebacker market. Roquan, it's not my fault. It's not the Bears' fault that you're not number one at your position. This isn't bad for the linebacker market. This is fair market value. Welcome to Economics 101. I'm your teacher, Professor John. This is the linebacker market, and this is what you're worth. You are not worth what Darius Leonard is making, and you're certainly not exceeding what he should be making. You're not worth that. You're not there. You're young. You've done nothing of significance in the NFL. Sorry. Where's the Pro Bowl? Where's the All-Pro? Nowhere to be found. Well, the Pro Bowl's fan voting. What about the All-Pro? What about the All-Pro discussion? Oh, he's been in a bad team. The Colts haven't been so great either. They haven't been amazing. They made a playoff appearance here and there, just like the Bears have with Broke One since 2018. So don't give me that BS either. He's not there yet. To insinuate that you are there when you're not is wrong. And it's another issue of self-perception. Understand who you are. Don't oversell yourself. Don't overhype yourself. Roquan, you're a great player. You're an outstanding player. You're talented. You're one of the best linebackers in the NFL, maybe top five, top ten. But you're not number one. And unfortunately, you're not close to being number one yet. There's a lot of work he has to do. So until then, take what you're given or suit up and play out the final year of your contract and then go somewhere else, goodbye. The Bears have been told that they could fetch a second round, potentially a first round pick for Roquan. I would take it. 100%, why not? That's great. You're already rebuilding. You don't have to pay Roquan, so his contract comes off the books, more cap space, and you bring in more draft picks. And Ryan Poles has proven already in his first draft, he knows how to draft somewhat. He knows how to make less picks turn into bigger ones. That's the way to go if I were the Bears. And if I were Ryan Pauls in his position, what has unfolded has been disgraceful. It has torn up the Bears. It's torn up Roquan Smith. It's caused drama that isn't necessary. I don't appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. I want to shift to this. ESPN making more stupid headlines. Came out and said the other day that the Bears would be the worst team in football. The worst team. If you're new to the channel, we talked about this about two months ago. ESPN came out with power rankings, and they said, who are the five worst teams in football going to be? And the Bears were on the list, a couple of other teams. I said this before. I'll say it again, too. What is the point of ranking your worst teams in football? I don't understand the appeal to this. Look, I'll be honest with you. I don't sit around in my free time and think, hmm, I wonder who the five worst teams in football are going to be. Maybe I'll think five best or ten best power rankings. Great. But I don't really waste my time thinking who's going to be the worst or the Bears going to be the worst. Let me say it out loud, put it on a video, on a tweet, and then get people to piss all over it. It's stupid. 
It's the worst form of entertainment, quote-unquote. What benefit does that give anybody? Really? What are you getting out of saying the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL besides angry fans? And if that's the point and you're looking for more clicks, then you know what? You've told me all you need to know about who you are, ESPN. You've told me who you are as a news company. Really? Worst team in the NFL? Wow. Good thought. Great job. Just split the atom. I mean, this is just, again, no sense. No sense in putting out content like this. Why not do something original? Talk about Justin Fields. Talk about David Montgomery. Roquan Smith. The Bears wide receiving core. How they've looked during preseason. Kevin Jenkins. The offensive line. There are so many other things that you could delve into. When you talk about Bears football, not, they're going to be the worst team in football. Ha ha. Stupid. That was a dumb comment and a dumb thing to say. And I should know. I say dumb things all the time. But that was dumb. I mean, come on. You have nothing better to do. You're ESPN. You're a giant. You could do anything. They're doing training camp tours. They have the funds and the money to do whatever they want. And the only thing of content that they could produce is Bears going to be the worst in football. Wow. So original and such a good job. (laughs) Look, I'm pretty objective. I don't think the Bears are going to be number one in the NFL. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to win this Super Bowl. I'm not a big fanboy. But the truth is, they're not the worst team in football. Jacksonville, far worse. The Browns will probably be worse without Deshaun Watson. Panthers. I mean, there are so many other teams. Jets. They are all much worse off than the Bears. So that comment is irresponsible. It's lazy. It shows they do no research. It shows they know nothing about football and nothing about the Bears. This is why I hate national opinions on this team. If you're not watching them, if you're not covering them here in Chicago, you have no idea what goes on. It's a completely different wavelength. That comment was stupid. (laughs) Just dumb, dumb comment. Next time when you think about making content, ESPN, think about ways to help people. Inform them. Entertain them. This wasn't entertaining. And it certainly didn't inform me of anything. It's an opinion. It's unproven. And even if you want to try and go the factual route, show me reasons why the Bears will be the worst team in football. Tell me why. Tell me why they're going to be worse than the Jets, Jaguars, Browns, show me how they're going to be worse. Show it to me. You can't. I'll take Justin Fields all day over Zach Wilson. Even Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I would, because Trevor Lawrence has been so damaged by Urban Meyer, it's a completely different story. And yes, I'll take Justin Fields over Jacoby Brissett. Or Josh Rosen. Take your pick. I would even take Justin Fields right now over Baker Mayfield. So tell me how the Bears are going to be the worst in football. I'm waiting. What valid reason could you possibly come up with? They're just in it for the clicks and for the hate. And I guess they did their job. I mean, I'm pretty pissed about it. It's just a dumb comment. And it doesn't offer anything substantive to the conversation. 
nothing significant. There's no analysis with it or reasons why. Digging into the minutiae, it's just a comment and an opinion and a hot take. I don't appreciate it. You shouldn't either. It's not a smart comment. And this narrative, by the way, has been building for a while. We made a video about this two months ago when ESPN made a top five worst team list, and they put the Bears on it. There seems to be some sort of vendetta. I don't know what it is, but it needs to stop. Really. I mean, this is ridiculous. You want to troll? Okay. You want to cause issues? That's fine. I understand. But to do this twice, when clearly they're not the worst team in football, just shows you know nothing about the game. And I know nothing about the game. I didn't play, but I'll tell you what, I know more than enough to say that the Bears won't be the worst in football. I know about this team. I know about the talent they have. They're not at that point. To say they are is stupid. Without any evidence or context or anything. Nothing. It's just, yep, they're going to be the worst. How do you know? Did anybody ask a follow-up? How do you know they're going to be the worst? No, they didn't. State-run media. They're not going to ask or challenge any opinion. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for people who actually cover the team. Because all these comments, with no backing whatsoever, pollutes the good content that comes out and talks about the Bears. They pollute analysis and truth, and they just put out stupid opinions every single day and force people to react to them. I'd rather look at analysis. I'd rather look at film. I'd rather look at an opinion piece from a local writer, at least, or an inside look, an interview, something. I'd rather read that or hear about that than, hey, ESPN said the Bears are going to be the worst. Without any backing, any context, just they're going to suck. Okay. We all know that. We all know the Bears aren't going to be great this year. We know it's going to be a rebuild, a transition-type season. But to just come out and say they're the worst, they're horrible, it's obvious ESPN had a purpose behind that. And with no analysis to back it up, or even facts, just an opinion, I think it was a waste of everybody's time, just a reason to get more people mad about the situation. Shame on them for doing that. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago, my interview with Jason McKee and Alex Brown comes up next, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the No Name Football Podcast, John Zaglou of Sports Talk Chicago and WCKG guest hosting this week alongside Carmel Catholic head coach, nine-year NFL veteran, and Bears legend Jason McKee. J-Mac, it's great to be here. How are you? Doing good, man. It's always uh, my favorite day of the week anytime I get to do this podcast and talk about ball, but especially when I get to talk about ball with you know, one of my favorite teammates, a uh, really good friend of mine, a guy who I've known for a long time. Uh, you know, I'm sad that he's not in Chicago anymore, but anytime I get a chance to chop it up with him and talk ball like the good old days, it's always a great day for me. So, it's a pleasure to have, you know, Alex Brown with us. You know, Bears fans, you know what Alex Brown meant to the Bears organization. You can also catch him on the football after show as well. 
And I know, John, you, you have an introduction. You said you have something for Alex as well, so I'll let you take it over. That's right. 45 and a half career sacks, a Bears legend, and yes, a part of the football after show on NBC Sports Chicago. He is one of the greatest Bears of the 2000s for sure, defensively. And Alex, it's great to have you on the program. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's a pleasure. I've, um, I'm a big fan of the show, so being on the show is, is freaking awesome. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. So really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have Olin Cruz, you know, our, our other co-host who, who joined, who's obviously my co-host. He's uh, he's out of town, but he'll be joining the show a little bit later to talk about offensive line. But while we got the defensive extraordinaire on the horn with us, A.B., let's get right to it. Let's talk defense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Bears uh, had a good showing against Seattle last night. They went up there and won that game. Uh, yep. In particular, I want to talk about the defensive line. You know, what, what is your mm-hmm. assessment of defensive line, and, and what do you think Bears, can, Bears fans can expect from them this year? I, I think they can, uh, they can expect an attacking style of uh, brand of defense, kind of like um, what we did when, when we were playing. When you look at Coach Iberflus and you see what they were doing at Indy, you knew what type of defense he was trying to put on the field. And the guys that, when the ball's thrown down the field, if they're not going to take off and run, they're not going to be on the field long. And you see the pursuit. Last night, you see the pursuit from guys. You got a guy that missed a tackle. You got four more guys coming. So that that is the type of brand of football that they're going to put out there, and I love it. There was, a, there was a missed field goal early in the game, and I know we're talking about the defensive line, but there was a missed field goal in the game. And this right here really tells you the type of – like coaching they're getting on that field goal two of the offensive linemen for seattle were ran over now i don't know if that affected the the kicker or not but the point is they're not conceding anything they're going after everything extra points field goals everything they're defending like um like our coach used to say defend every blade of grass on that field if they get it they earn it and that's what we're seeing, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, you got a bunch of young guys, obviously, a bunch of young guys across the board. They're all hungry. They're all running. And I think it goes right into what, where we were my second, third year when Coach Smith came in, and it was like, man, everybody's here 24 to 26 years old, and we were just rolling, man. So it, it's a lot of fun. I think we're going to be very surprised with this defense this year. Alex, how impressive was their discipline, too? We saw Seattle commit 13 mm-hmm. penalties, 96 yards. The Bears were completely the opposite. What did you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Well, discipline in that sense. In that sense, in the penalty aspect, yes. But uh, when, we're, when we look closer at the film and you look at guys getting out of position, that's just a little – that's just getting used to doing your job every single time. And that's what's going to make you that's – gonna, that's going to take you from being good to great. When you got 11 guys out there that's going to do their job every single play, and I can count on the middle linebacker can count on that wheel linebacker to do his job. The corner, all the guys that's running to the quarterback, like we were just talking about, they can count on that corner or that safety to make sure that that guy is forced back inside if he misses that tackle. Those things, when you start to learn those things, and I saw some of those uh, things in, in this past game with Seattle, well, guys are just out of out of out of position, or they weren't attacking this particular block um, a certain way. But I think that stuff will come. It's the effort part, the part that I love. I absolutely love the effort 
from the defensive line, from the linebackers, from the corners. You have when that when that screen stops, you have seven guys in the screen. That's what you want. You want all of them, obviously. But I mean, sometimes you got a corner that's running down the field with a receiver. He's probably not going to be in the screen. But if for the most part, if you got seven, eight guys in the screen, if a fumble comes out, we're more likely going to get that fumble. Or if you get a missed tackle, we're going to replace it right now as opposed to waiting 8, 10, 12 yards down the field before the next guy can get there. Yeah, A.B., talk about that, um, you know, the hitch principle that that Coach Flues is implementing up there, mm-hmm. you know, at Dallas Hall. And, you know, you guys, you know, came from a defense that, you know, you guys lived that on a daily basis throughout practice, mm-hmm. regardless of if it was a walkthrough, if it was, you know, a full padded practice. You had guys, you know, high intensity, stripping the ball, Talk mm-hmm. about, you know, what that is in terms of practicing for the Bears fans. Like, what does all that entail? I tell you what, for the players, it, it's actually – um, it gets on your damn nerves, to be honest. <laughs> the coaches are harping on it. They're harping on it so much. Like, you're almost like, seriously, coach, I heard you. I heard you the other 112 times you said it. But it, 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 he keeps saying it, and it just becomes that type of environment where everything – you're trying to knock the ball out no matter what. And everybody gets 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 on board with it, right? So in 04, when Coach Smith first got here, I think the fans need to understand that we weren't very good still. You know, we still weren't very good. Like we lost, we lost, uh, I think we lost 12 games or 11 games, something like that, that year. Yeah. But it was, what were the positives in that? I think we were the highest scoring, like we would, we would take the ball away. We were one of the higher teams taking the ball away. And we would score when we got the got the takeaway. Now, going into 2005, so you got to understand, this year right here is going to be kind of a transition year, but you're going to have to find those positives in this year. Next year, which was 05, which would have been 05 for us, that would be next year for them. That is going to be a kind of a turning point. And that beginning of that 05 season, we were one and three. Like we weren't, we, it wasn't going right. And then all of a sudden, boom, it came on. And then we took off for the next, what, year and a half or so? Where we had where we played really good football, both offensively and defensively, in 06 and was able to get to a Super Bowl. And I still think we were the best team, but we ain't going to get into that. But, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I think, I think it's still a – we still got to be patient um, in this. But the things I'm seeing right now as far as the hustle to the ball, Punching at the ball. You see guys punching at the ball. I think peanut really made it popular by just everybody wants to do the peanut punch now, right? So everybody's doing it, um, but everybody isn't running at the football. You turn on the film last year. You turn on the film last year and you see who's running to the football, and there's one guy, 94. He's the guy that's running to the football because he was with Marinelli in Dallas Mm. because you have to run to the football. That's what you saw if you turn on the film from last year. Last night, you see a different group of guys. That's what you see. You see eight, nine, ten guys running to the football. So you know they're doing something different than what they were doing last year. Then you turn and you watch the guy and hope the other guy gets him. That's not what they're doing now. So the mentality is changing. The culture is changing. And I'm, I'm really excited. I'm a lot more excited than I thought I was going to be um, after watching these two preseason games. 
they're definitely prioritizing takeaways more. And I think that's something that mm-hmm. kind of went away after 2018 for the Bears. How important do you think that's going to be in leading to this transition, leading to success for this team, too? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super important. Um, Coach Smith just used to say that we take the ball away, it takes away an opportunity for them, right? Um, when I got down to New Orleans and they would talk about takeaways, it's Coach um, – uh, Dang, uh, man, how do I forget? Oh, Sean Payton, Coach, Coach Payton would say, if you have eight possessions in a game, each, eight possessions offensively, and you take the ball away, now you had nine, and now they have seven because you took it away from them, right? So it just gives you that, it gives you a better opportunity to score, and down at the Saints, they had a really good offense where they're going to put up points. All you got to do is just give them the ball, right? So for us, it's, being sound on defense, being sound, not not allowing big plays to happen and taking the ball away. Um, I did see situations um, that they'll get into where you got one-on-one blocking up front and uh, you allow big plays to happen down the field. I saw early in that, in that first half, they had a big play down the field. It was five-man blocking, four guys rushing. And, I mean, we had a couple one-on-ones there and nobody got home. So these are things that they're, they're going to work through. And as you place different players in there, like in 04, we went and got Ottawa Leogunier. Yeah. Like we went and got him out of Miami, traded away our best offensive player at the time in Marty Booker. And everybody's looking like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? You know? So, but I mean, that, that's, that's the type of stuff that you're going to have to go through these things, see what you need, and then go pick that stuff off. So hopefully the coaches are doing that. Um, we, we, we're we missing a huge piece. And I know we're going to get to it, but 58, we need 58 in there. I mean, I think he, he, makes the, he, he makes us that much better. And there's a hole there that we don't have to feel if he's there. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good uh, segue into my next question. Obviously, the Roquan topic, you know, people saying that there's trade rumors. Obviously, we know his statement mm-hmm. came out in terms of know how you felt like the Bears are disrespecting him by the contract yep. they offered him. Uh, you know, AB, you, you've been in contract situations. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've been in some too. Not as big as you guys because fullbacks, we get paid pennies <laughs> compared to everybody else. But, um, but yeah, like Roquan, I mean, you look at it, you know, in terms of you, what is your assessment of that, AB, you know, in terms of his value, what he brings to the team and, and the do- type of dollars that he commands because when you look at like the top five linebackers in this league, obviously mm-hmm. Harris Leonard is number one. Uh, Fred Warner for uh, 49ers is, is number two and mm-hmm. CJ Mosley is number three. And, and for me, just as an offensive player, looking at what he does as a linebacker, um, you know, I feel like he's definitely in that top three category. You know, I feel like he's better mm-hmm. than CJ Mosley and, yeah, you know, me too. and, you know, CJ Mosley is getting, he signed a deal for five years, 85 million over five years. So, you know, mm-hmm. I can see why Roquan is saying, hey, you know, I need to be paid where I'm ranked in terms of my yep. position. But, you know, I'll let you yep. uh, let you break that down a little bit, A.B. Well, my so when a guy's, when a guy's trying to get paid, I mean, I, I remember uh, Brett Favre talking about that receiver. I think it was uh, Walker, and mm-hmm. Walker was out, and he wasn't coming to camp. Yeah. And he comes back to camp because Brett Favre, them are going crazy and talking about him. He comes back, he gets hurt, you know? Comes back and gets hurt. Never the Green Bay Packers never paying. He ends up going to to the Raiders and getting paid. Yeah. So I don't talk about another man. Get your money. Now, 
when this this situation is a little different because with what Jason J Mac what, what you just said, that top linebacker in your list, well, this coach right here came from there. You know what I mean? He had him. So he has a real good idea of how close Roquan is to Leonard. Yeah. And if he don't want to pay him that, then in his in that from that to me says that he don't believe Roquan is close to Leonard. Now, I think the Bears as an organization, they can be creative with this. I mean, with a contract, it doesn't always have to be a five-year hundred million with 60 guaranteed. I believe if they went to Roquan and they offered him a three-year and offered him $48 million and guarantee all of it, I think they could get something done. Yeah. Or even 52 or 53 million, but then guarantee all of it. You know, show show a little faith there. Show a little like we appreciate you. We do believe you're one of the top backers in this league. Maybe not the top linebacker, but we believe you're a really good player. You mean this much to our team for us to guarantee three a three-year contract for you. I think there's a way they can do that. Now, Roquan in and um from from his um standpoint. That would give him that floor, that security, right? And then knowing, I mean, he's 25, 26. He know that at 28, 29, he's going to get another opportunity at the Apple, if you will, you know? So it, it almost works well for both in that sense. And then the Coach Everflus and his and his crew um, and Poles, they, they get to find out, it, can Roquan do it? Is he the guy? If they're on the fence right now, like, I don't know. He can go prove that if he's the guy or not on like a three year or something like that. So I think that's the way to go. I wish I I don't have Roquan's number. I wish I did. I, I would talk to him because I know he's doing his own thing as yeah. far as his own contract and all that. And man, maybe he don't want to hear nothing. I got to say, I mean, maybe he wants his five year hundred million or whatever that is, which yeah. I think he deserves a big contract. I think he's earned it. Um, but when you're talking about this particular situation with this coach and Coach Eberflus, who was with Leonard last year, and he knows what Leonard got paid, and he believes that he was worth that, then he looks at you and he don't think so, then there's something you got to prove to Coach Eberflus. And Alex, you bring up a great point there. I mean, there could be a middle ground. Roquan wants to be paid mm-hmm. to be the number one linebacker in football. Uh, Darius Leonard right now is making around $19.5 million per year. Roquan wants to exceed that. And I think we can all mm-hmm. agree he may not be at that level yet, so maybe there's no justification in paying him that. But he could come back at three years, $50 million, have it all guaranteed, and I think that'd mm-hmm. be a fair assessment for fans, for media, and for Roquan himself, and for the Bears organization. Yep, I, I totally agree. I, I, I hope that they've had that conversation. I don't know if they have or not, but I hope the, the conversation doesn't start and end with five years. Because that, I mean, like you said, there, there, there's probably a middle ground there somewhere. Yeah. And then on the flip end, let's guarantee all of it, right? Or guarantee most of it, 85% of it. If you you go in at a at $55 million for three years and you guarantee 85% of it, let's, let's be honest here. I think this is a show I can be honest. Hey, yeah. hey Roquan from Macon, Georgia. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> you you offer him $60 million, man. Come on, that changes not only his life, that changes kids' life, that changes grandkids' life, you know? So I think – and then he get another bite at the apple late, um, in three years, maybe even two, if he goes all pro, all pro, maybe he gets a, um, uh, a bite at that apple sooner. So I, 
like I think there is a middle ground. I hope there's a middle ground because I think he makes his defense better if he's there. Yeah, and I think with Roquan too, AB, I think that, you know, him saying he feels like he's being disrespected by the contract he's offered. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like he's been disrespected in the NFL in general in terms of mm-hmm. being a linebacker. I mean, he's he's one of only two linebackers to have over 300 tackles and over 30 tackles for loss. The other one is Ray Lewis. And we know that, you know, he may not have as many Pro Bowls as Darius Leonard, but, I mean, here's a guy who, I mean, we know how watered down the Pro Bowl is now. Everybody's a Pro Bowl. Everybody goes. But he's a guy mm-hmm. who's, gonna, who, who's going to be, right, I think he's 25 years old, and we know in Iberflus' defense, that Will linebacker position, you know, is the cornerstone of that defense. Mm-hmm. A young guy yep. who's 25, who's at the top of his game, who's done nothing but produce since he's put that Chicago Bears helmet on, and to lose him would be a tragedy for this young defense that, that we're going to have. I mean, you look at your secondary, they're young. You look at the defensive line, the only – the only guy that you know who's going to be, you know, who should be a constant is Robert Quinn. And then mm-hmm. you look at the other linebackers having that linebacker room. I mean, you've got uh, Anthony Morrow, he's six-year guy. Matt Adams, who was yep. over there in Indy. I mean, a lot of young guys. Caleb Johnson's a two-year guy. Uh, we've seen Sanborn's undrafted free agent who's, who's made some splash plays in the, free, in the preseason, but he's an undrafted free agent. I think when you look at Roquan, you know, you look at his value as, as they're looking at his value as a player. But you got to look at his value in terms of what he means to to the defense at overall. Uh, overall, this defense. I mean, he is the glue. He is the glue. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He is like he is what's going to keep this thing, you know, together. And when mm-hmm. you have a constant like that, who's only 25, you know, you might want to make sure that he's in a Bears uniform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that going back. Let's go back to Devin Hester when the Bears were really trying to justify why they should pay him. Oh, we're going to make him a number one receiver. We're going to, Don't do all that. Yeah. Do this. Pay the man according to how valuable he is to your team. Yep. That's it. That's all you – you don't need to justify it with anybody because New England isn't going to write a check. Indy's not going to write that check for you, you yeah. know, to help pay your player. So I don't think they have to justify anything with anyone. If they believe that he is worth this amount to them – then that's what you pay him. Yeah, you got to look at the comparables. So put him in that category. If Leonard is getting paid nineteen million, be honest. Hey, Leonard got paid nineteen million what two years ago, or was it last year? Uh, I want to say it's two years. It might have been two years ago. Two years ago. So I mean, this thing goes up. It does. It never comes back. So it goes up. So if, if Leonard, if you don't think he's as good as Leonard, then. I think he deserves 19 million two years later because I think that's where the contract is. So two years later, he deserves the 19 million that Leonard got two years ago, Mm -hmm. 19 million average. Right. And, and make it legit average. Don't pay the man 2 million, 2 million, then 50 million. Like he'll never see that last year, you know? So it's just like, make it a true average. Um, And I think you got something, but, from what I've heard, the contract offer was well. Hell yeah, he was disrespected. I mean, yeah, you you don't do that. You you go and you go after him if you want him. If you don't want him, then you do what you do what they did, and then he's gonna want to get up out of there. So, but let's let's assume, Jake. Let's say, let's assume. What would you take for him? Yeah, like for a guy like that. Like, yeah. what would you take for him? I mean, we went what four years ago, and we went and got a all pro. Pro Bowl linebacker slash pass rusher with Khalil Mack, we gave up two first rounders. 
I don't know if anybody, and then we gave him $140 million. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody's going to give two first rounders, but what would you take for Roquan, you know, in, in return, if you were to find a team? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, me personally, I don't, you know, I don't want anything for him. I just want, I want, I want Roquan in that Bears uniform. You know, because especially like, like you said, Coach Flues, you're implementing implementing a new defense, uh, mm-hmm. defensive scheme that that's been proven. You see what the Colts have been doing. Um, you know, they've been one of the top defenses in the league. You know, a lot of takeaways. Obviously, Dar- Darius Leonard is is one of the guys who, who leads that defense and has probably majority of the takeaways on that defense. So, you know, you have a guy who can. You know, in my opinion, I think, you know, in this scheme with Coach Flues, the right coaching and things like that, you know, he, he could probably surpass the productivity that Darius Leonard had. And it just makes you wonder, you know, you look at the production that he's had with the instability in terms of mm-hmm. the coaching staff that's been in Chicago. You know, yep. if you, you, bring in, you bring in a group like this who we see, you know, Coach Flues' principles being implemented out there in preseason. You know, we talked about all 11 guys on defense getting to the ball. Like, like A.B., you said – when you watch film and you're watching film, mm-hmm. you need all 11 hats in that screen, in that, yeah. in that picture, you know, that just shows that that just doesn't happen in a game. You know, that's something that's happening on a daily basis in practice. And when you Absolutely. have a guy who has that type of stability, that type of uh, a demand on, you know, playing style and things like that, it brings the best out of you, out of you as a player. So, you know, I just think we're just scratching the surface of how good Roquan, Roquan can actually be. Jay, I could not agree with you more. When I heard that Coach Iberflus was coming and the type of scheme that he was bringing, I look at Roquan and I think he is a will backer. He can make all those plays in open field. He can do that. But what he has to do, and when we knew, we knew that Lance Briggs was going to have an all-pro season when he came into training camp at 235 pounds. Yeah. He has to lose 10 pounds, bro. He has to. If he lo- if he being being Roquan, if Roquan loses ten pounds, and and let's say he don't sign a contract this year, he'll get that contract that he wants. Yeah. If he loses ten pounds, because he can do everything. He's fast enough. He's smart enough. He understands and he makes plays. The kid can do it. In this particular defense, though, he's gonna have to like you run so much. Jay, you know, <laughs> that's all we did was run. We yeah. ran and ran and ran because. You need it. You have to be in shape because what you're essentially doing is you're taking a defense and you're making them smaller. So yep. we're a smaller defense, quicker defense, but now we got to attack you like wasps and bees and stuff. We, we got to be, we got to attack you like a team because one guy, we might be in trouble outside of that wheel backer. And that was Lance. Lance, we can leave by itself. He can make all the plays, whether it's a receiver a uh, running back, he can make the plays. And that is the position that 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 really needs to be solid, right? That needs to be a solid position because a lot of those plays that will break for big yardage is going to be on his watch. So Roquan loses 10 pounds and is the same player, not injured or anything, just the same man. I think he'll take another step and then people will put him in that category, if not higher, than that Leonard and um, Ward, or is it yeah, yeah. Warner Warner yeah. out of uh, San Francisco. How similar do you see this defense to yours under Lovey Smith? I mean, you've mentioned a couple of similarities already, you know, Lance mm-hmm. Briggs and Roquan. How, how similar, when, when you watch this Bears team, are they to you guys? 
Well, I, that, that's why I stopped that, you know. <laughs> I stopped right there. <laughs> right. I stopped right there because, right. honestly, they don't have Erlach. Right. You know, they don't have Charles Tillman and Nathan Vasher and Tommy right. Harris and Ottawa Lee <laughs> Like, those those are questions. Mike Brown, like, I'm sorry, Mike Mike Brown. And um, you got you got Chris Harris. You know, I mean, they're – man, Tank Johnson. You got a lot of players that – and then when – when those players came out, what people I think people forget sometimes that we went to the Super Bowl and everybody talks about the defense. We lost two all pros on that defense in Tommy Harris and Mike Brown. And we still went to the Super Bowl. Th- that was the depth on that team. Yeah. You know, on that on that deep that was the depth on it because and it came from those guys came from the draft. When you got Tank Johnson, Ian Scott, um, these guys came from the draft. And Tommy goes down, you can plug in a guy and let's go. You know, like this stuff, yeah, they don't have all those players or those players are haven't established themselves, I'll say. Um, if they can establish that, then, yeah, they got a chance. But one thing we didn't do, we didn't get rid of really good players. And that is where they're at right now. Are you going to get rid of a really good player on deep on a defense that you're – on a team that you're trying to build around defense? You're going to get rid of – the best defensive player that you have. I just, I think that's, I think that's taking a step back when you should be trying to move forward here. And it's not like he's a bad apple or anything. It's not like he's a, he's a guy that you can't build around. You absolutely can build this defense around him. Yeah. I think AB too, when, uh, you know, you're talking about comparing um, this defense to the defense that, you know, that we had with you guys, Um, you know, I think, what we fail to realize, you know, a lot of a lot is being made of development of Justin Fields. I think, you know, the coach mm-hmm. staff as a whole has a lot of importance this season in terms of development. You look at, you know, all the guys you mentioned, you know, Peanut, uh, you know, uh, Briggs, all the guys who were drafted here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys were developed. You know, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. when Lovey came, you guys were developed in a different way in terms of, you know, intensity, takeaways, hustling to the ball. You guys had a lot of talent but you guys were developed. You guys were coached. You guys were cultured. You guys were culture enforcers in that locker room. And you look at it like this, right? That coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to have to do a lot of coaching, teaching, development for the young guys. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. how many young guys, look how young the secondary is. You know, Roquan Smith's a question mark. Obviously, Robert Quinn is a constant on the defensive line. But other than that, you've got a lot of young guys, young, hungry guys out there running around. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to be uh, developed on a daily basis in order for them uh, to achieve their maximum potential. And, you know, we see that often, you know, from the team. I hate to talk about up north of Green Bay. Regardless of who they have, they do a good job of developing their talent. Yeah. You know, they always have some guy that comes out of nowhere that went to Southeast Kansas, Missouri State, and next, you know, he's a <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, every, uh-huh. not everybody came out of UW like Brother O. There's only a few. Oh, gee. Fellas, what's up, o. man? What's, What's going, going on? on? Listen, the SEC Defensive Player of the Year is sitting here. I'm not going to talk much about my career. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think when he won it, I was already in the Pro Bowl at the same age. So I don't know how that compares. You know what I mean? But uh, it doesn't. It doesn't good, compare man. at all. You know, um, the one question I wanted to ask you guys was, what, would you ever trade Russell Wilson? Oh, man. I mean, no. I, 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 don't, I, think, I think those two guys, I think the general manager and 
Pete Carroll. I, I, I'm betting they fired themselves with that move. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, no doubt. I mean, look at the How play Amir last, last night. He couldn't even get the snap. I'm like, oh, boy. Like, and, and the funny thing is they're they're interviewing, like, Tyler Lockett on the sideline. They're asking him about the offense. He's like, oh, well, I think they're doing quite well. Uh, like, are you not even – you're eating sunflower seeds on the sidelines, bro. You are not watching the game. I don't know. It should be interesting, all. man. It's going to be interesting, though, to see when someone makes a move like that. Someone told me they were like, you know – he became too much to handle. Russell Wilson did. And I mm. thought to myself, Hall of Fame quarterback problems, right? Like, I don't even know anything about that. Right? That, that, <laughs> no. You know, like, yeah. like, like, man, like, he, I mean, he should be. He's that good. But we'll see. I mean, they may draft the guy. They may run the ball. They may mm-hmm. play defense. But it's going to be a lot. He used to cover yeah. up a lot of that stench up there. I'll tell you that much. Oh, no doubt about it. He, um, it, it's, I, I guess it boils down to what you're getting for him, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. everybody can be traded. If you if they offer enough, then right. yeah. I mean, hell, if somebody come up, I don't want to move out of my house. But if somebody come over here with a big enough check, hey, honey, we leaving. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's over. We going somewhere else. So that's mm-hmm. just if somebody offer enough, then yeah, you get you might you might think about parting ways with that guy. But the way the offense, the way this team is set up now, as far as Seattle, yeah, they looked really bad last night. Or Maybe Ibram Flus and our team just look a little better than we thought. You know, that's all. Yeah. That's all I'm yeah. going to take it. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Let me ask you guys this. Which is the sadder quarterback competition? Geno Smith and Drew Locke or Kyle Orton and Rex Grossman? Um, you know what? It, it was a different team that we had here, right? So we'll sure. see. Like, can can they run the ball the way we ran the ball here? Uh, can they create takeaways there like, you know, uh, the 2005-2006 defense did for us? So um, that that is a tough question. Actually, when you watch them last night, obviously, like, you don't want to make too big big of a deal out of preseason. They're just getting their feet wet. I think that was their first game. Uh, they got two rookie tackles. Uh, you know, they go back and they look at it and they say, look, we average eight yards a carry with our running back. If we shove it down their throat, do the can the Bears actually stop us? I mean, that's probably what they're saying. Like, you guys have all been a part of preseason before, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, who, you know, yep. I, 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 it's not like I don't care, but I'm just kind of building up now. I'm building up to September 11th. I'm yep. building up to the yep. first week. And, uh, John, that's my way of avoiding a question I'm not really going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be a tough one. I knew it was going to be a tough one. <laughs> well, well, John, let me ask you this. Who's yeah. the best producer in your studio? I mean, I'm the only one in this studio, so I guess it would be right, me by default, saying, right? I mean, who's the best boss you ever had? Who's the best boss you ever had, John? Yeah, I can't answer that one. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. That's a tough question to answer, right? <laughs> I mean, even all that hey, even all that gel in your hair can't help you right now, my man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you got yeah, you got you got my dog barking in here at that joke. He must have heard. <laughs> it. You guys, uh, you guys talk any offensive line stuff? Yeah, I was. I was a, no, we're about to right. I was going to ask you too. So, mm-hmm. um, looking at the offensive line, you know, Braxton Jones starting at left tackle, mm-hmm. Cody, uh, Sam Musterford, uh, right mm-hmm. guard, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Barome at right tackle. Uh, what did you see from that unit? You know, I know that group as a whole didn't get a lot of snaps, but what did you see mm-hmm. from that group when they were out there? Well, I think the first thing you guys probably missed it, you guys probably talked about it, was you like the way Getsy, his approach, right? His boots, his tight end screens, his play action pass. He's trying to 
his line that he knows. I mean, they got they got to gel, and some guys got to take a step for them to be actually be a good offensive line. But as far as Tevin Jenkins at right guard, he struggled a little bit, right? I mean, that's the first time he's been there. You can see that uh, the, what they're seeing a guard and tackle is that the fight starts right now. He's got to get his hands out immediately. His hands were a little high. And that right foot, you can see him kicking it straight back. He's got to keep that thing more at a 45-degree angle to hold the integrity in the pocket, right? So now he's not – he can't run the guy around the quarterback. He's got to be – he's got to be really stout right there to keep the guy at a quarterback's face. And you see them edging him on his right side there the whole night. He's got to get used to that. I'll be honest with you, man. I really think they should look at Larry Borum there at right guard. If I'm them, I flip it this game. I put Borum at right guard. I put um, Tevin Jenkins back at right tackle and see what that looks like, just to see what I got. As far as Braxton Jones, um, you know, you see Seattle Seahawks play their two rookie tackles the whole first half. I'm shocked at how they're using him. I'm shocked that he gets that rest when he comes out. I knew he struggled a little bit on that Seattle Seahawks turf away from home against a different pass rusher, a little bit of crowd noise. His footwork gets a little funky at times. But I guess in short, when you watch their whole protection as a unit, Khalil Herbert missed a blitz pickup. The two tight ends got beat. O'Shaughnessy and Cole Komet got beat on a play-action pass. J-Mac, as you know, Alex, as you know, because you, you, you eat tight ends alive. Uh, protection is a team. It's more than just the offensive line, right? The running backs mm-hmm. involved. The tight ends are involved. The quarterback's involved in making the calls and knowing who has the mismatches and who is the point. So this unit, for if you ask me what I saw, they need a lot of work to come together in the gel and to get a little better. But I do like what Getsy is doing with his scheme to help them move the ball down the field. OG, um, watching that game, what I saw mm-hmm. – um, just from my perspective, and I'm I'm looking at when we could run the ball down people's throats, and the mm-hmm. the the unity I I saw with you guys watching that game last night. Running back gets tackled eight yards down the field. There's three offensive linemen down there pushing the pile, helping him up. Like mm-hmm. it's just little things like that. I always saw at least two linemen down the field, and when I was on the other side, now I hated it. I hate it when, when y'all offensive line would come in and hit the pile. I hated it. But now when I watch it, I can see the unity and these guys are doing it. Like, I, hey, you know what? I like that. I, I think Brother O would be – he'd be proud of them guys for that, you know? Yeah, they they play with a little bit of edge. Tevin Jenkins has that in him, right, where he mm-hmm. finishes plays. Uh, like you said, that offensive line, you can tell that in that building – the coaches are preaching it. They're trying to change the culture on offense mm-hmm. and defense, right? But yeah. uh, like you know, Alex, uh, that that only goes so far, right? The effort stuff. So we got to mm-hmm. get guys who are playing at an elite or right below a Pro Bowl level out there because when we play San Francisco and Green Bay in weeks one and two, those defensive line units are stout. Uh, they will come after you. We're talking about Bosa. We're talking about mm-hmm. Armstead. We're talking about Kenny Clark. We're talking about Sean Gary. We're talking about Preston Smith. Okay, mm-hmm. so all the hustling is great. I yeah. got to get guys to get the damn hands inside, and I got to get guys to get guys to move off the ball. Yeah. Winning, winning games like that with, with defenses like that, you got to stay in what I saw. I saw quite a bit of last mm-hmm. night, and that's mm-hmm. third and short, third and medium. Mm-hmm. You can't get into third and longs then you're in mm-hmm. trouble when you're playing defenses like that because that is their bread and butter. That's when they gonna, they let their ears back and they're, they're humming. They're coming to you. So um, we got to be able to run the football uh, in that aspect. Then we don't have to match up and try to block five on four 
and that's just a tall task for um for our offensive line right now. Yeah, brother. It yeah, was I don't know. Good to see. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, brother. It was, it was good to see. No, go ahead. The play calling because we actually talked about it last week in terms of you know Getsy running those play actions, running those boot actions off of that outside zone. You look at the one he did with Khalil Herbert. You know he he ran that outside zone and and Justin Fields did a good job faking it. He booted around and hit Cole Komet on the over route. And it's good just to see you know with Cole Komet, it's is getting him involved early. Uh, you know mm-hmm. playing to his skill set. You know I don't know if he he, he won't. I don't think he'll you know. I don't know. He can be maybe he can be a Travis Kelsey, but I don't envision that for him. He's not a guy that you can just split out wide and, and he can create on his own. And he's a guy you got to scheme him up and do things to get him the ball. So it was good mm-hmm. to see that in terms of play calling. Um, I know, brother, you tweeted out in terms of tight end screen. We finally got one. Mm. Just, <laughs> just play action tight end screen. First play of the game. Let's yeah, go. Love it. Yeah, get your quarterback, you know, get Justin to play off. up, you know, give him some nice high percentage throws and you know, just makes it a lot easier on the offense as a whole. Um, the one thing yeah, we'll like- talk about, I'll talk about in terms of protection, brother. Oh, you talked about it with the O line. I got to see more from Khalil Herbert in terms of pass protection. You look at mm-hmm. I think it's uh, the second pass of the game. You know, he sticks his nose in there. The linebacker's coming, but he ducks his head and he gets beat. Fields is forced to throw that ball. You know, he feels barely got that ball away. But if, if Herbert's going to carve out a niche as being the number two back in, in terms of where he may have to come in on third down, he's got to be a back that's willing and able to pass protect. You know, we talked about last week on the podcast, we want to see them really sell the boot. And I thought they did. I, I thought they cleaned up some of their, um, some of the little, like, you know, their, their head coming up, showing the defense mm-hmm. that it was a pass instead of a run. So you like to see that. You like to see them buying in a little bit more to what they're trying to do. I tell you guys right now, man, Justin Fields, when he's outside the pocket, his accuracy is uncanny. The way he throws the ball when he's on the move to his left or his right is unbelievable. And yesterday when he held the ball a little bit on that one boot, which you like to see him do, if he takes off there, he's got about 15 yards. So when he starts to learn to do, like when to, when to take yards, when to throw the ball, uh, he's going to be dangerous on those boot plays, which really, like Alice can tell you, as a backside DN, slows you down. And then guess what? That running back sliding out the back door, man, because now you mm-hmm. got to play both things because your coaches tell you uh, you're basically wrong whatever decision you make, and you don't <laughs> know what to do. So you got two things in your head, and now now the backside DN is frozen. And guess what? David Montgomery's coming downhill, and good luck with the arm tackle on David Montgomery. So J Mac, like you're saying, man, uh, it was fun to watch last night the play calling. I know you're excited when that rookie out of Kell on K four mesh caught that touchdown pass. Say, look at that. Full bag. That's old J Max play. J Max must have called him up, told him put in that K four to score a touchdown. So I agree with you guys, man. It, this team is um, a little more interesting than we thought they'd be. They still got to get guys to take a step to be elite. I don't know who you mm-hmm. put in the top eight to ten at their position in the league on the whole team. You know, you could pick Quinn maybe and and Roquan who's still out. But other than that, guys have got to develop. Mm-hmm. I would say offensively, too, I love the connection between Cole Komet and Justin Fields. It seems like it's growing a lot more this year compared to years past. What do you guys think that's going to look like this year? Well, I mean, he has to be involved. I mean, it can't just be Mooney, right? I mean, he has to be involved. Um, if they're going to be running a lot of boots, a lot of um, a lot of things that's moving the pocket, well, that's when the tight end, like, he's involved a lot from a defensive perspective, right? Um, these offensive guys, uh, J-Mac and OG, 
they can tell you a lot better than I can. But from a defensive perspective, teams that tend to boot a lot and move that pocket, they have those tight ends um, that can that can find those open holes. And I don't – J-Mac mentioned it earlier. I'm with you. I don't think he can be Travis Kelsey. But I think he can be a tight end that can find holes and give his quarterback an outlet six yards here, eight yards here, being able to beat a guy one-on-one. I think he can beat linebackers. I think he can beat one-on-one. I think he actually can. He's big and he's – I don't know how athletic he is, but he's a big guy. He can jump over corners. Um, I like him, but Travis Kelsey, yeah, Travis is a different dude. You know, Travis is way out there. So, but I think he can be very helpful for this offense in his current state. Yeah, I think uh, looking at it too, you have to, like AB saying, you're saying you have to scheme him open like they did uh, last night. Mm-hmm. You got to scheme him open because, you know, like we said, splitting him out wide and, you know, yeah, I don't think he's a guy that can create, you know, one-on-one by himself. I think he needs a little bit of help. So scheming him open like they did in terms of the, the play actions and the boots, you know, I think that's <clears throat> that's what they're going to have to do. And, you know, it also helps Justin Fields. Like like Brother O said, it's just he's more comfortable when he's outside of the pocket. We know what he can do. But not only, you know, his accuracy outside of the pocket, it just gives the defense another threat to worry about when he's outside of the pocket because if nothing nothing's there – we know how athletic he is. He can scramble and, you know, and get a first down to extend that drive. And that just breaks the defense's back when you have a quarterback that has that type of accuracy on the move, but can also scramble at the same time and extend drive. It just wears the defense down. So, you know, I think with Cole Komet, those are some of the things you're going to have to do uh, between him and Justin Fields in order to keep that that offense moving the chains. Hey, nothing hurts one- your heart. Go ahead. Sorry. As a defensive oh, player, nothing, nothing hurts your heart more than having every receiver covered, getting pressure on the quarterback, and then he scrambles for four yards, and it was third and three. Oh, my gosh. Like, you like, can see oh, Justin man. doing that, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's unbelievable. But when we talk about Coco Met, right, and, and the Travis Kelsey comparison is interesting, but the guy you think about is George Kittle in the same kind of offense, right, or like uh, Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis, who isn't a threat really down the field. Now, George, now the thing of that – Cole Komet's going to have to do in this offense is he's, they're going to have to be able to run the ball at him or he's going to have to be the backside blocking tight end. And then people will buy the run sale and they'll get him open. So I think the way he develops, the way he becomes dangerous in this offense is his run block and his pass pro have to take another step. I didn't see much of it last night. A lot of play actions in that first drive. Uh, I didn't see him back on the field later in the game. So I really – I was trying to watch him run block last night. I know uh, that one play, him and O'Shaughnessy got beat in um, in pass pro, but it kind of looked like those two guys never really worked that combination block together more than it was the fact that he was overwhelmed. It looked like he didn't know – O'Shaughnessy didn't know where, where Cole was going to be. Cole didn't know where O'Shaughnessy was, was going to be. But I'm going to watch that outside zone. J-Mac and I have talked about many times uh, on the podcast about in this offense – that tight end is crucial when you're trying to run the ball, man. If a guy like Alex can set the edge on us, then I can't press the outside. And if a running back can't press the tight end's outside leg, I can't run outside zone. Mm-hmm. So I got to be able to press that outside leg and get up the field from that spot. I can't cut it back early because the tight end is in my lap. So uh, watching him as we go along here develop his run blocking is going to be critical to whether or not he has a big mm-hmm. year. Because if I can only put him on the field, when I'm in a slot to run routes, he's useless to me in this offense. 
You know, see, this is what I'm talking about right here when Brother O is talking and J-Mac is talking about offense because for somebody at home watching, you mean to tell me um, Komet's going to get better? He'll be a better or a bigger part of this offense if his run blocking is better. And then he mm. then he breaks it down and it explains it to you. It's like, oh, well, damn, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, when I first said it, you looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, what? Like, what? Hey, I, hey, I got a question for you guys, Alex, because I wasn't here earlier. I'm sure you talked about it. Um, I'd like to hear you. I mean, if you talked about it, just stop me and That's all of you guys. Uh, the run the run defense you've been watching, I'm a little worried about. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried. Now, I know they're using the line stunts like they use in this cover two scheme, the Pirates, the TEs, mm-hmm. the, the nose coming across, that safety blitz off the edge. But if they got to keep adding people – I'm starting to get a little worried about this run defense. Now, I know Roquan's not there, but what have you seen from the D-line so far? That's exactly what I see. I, I see uh, the beginning stages of where we were in 04. When, when you just don't understand. Uh, like these guys, they believe if I do my job, I'm good. If I'm in the B-gap, I'm good. Like, okay, I, how can I do more than this? After the 04 season, Lovey Smith brings me into the office, okay? He brings me into the office, and he shows me this play on film. He's like, Alex, what are you doing here? And he just wants me to explain <laughs> what am I doing. And I'm doing and I'm doing my job. Like, I'm in the C-gap. I'm like, Coach, I'm, I'm in the C-gap. Um, the running back, he ran inside. Like, mm-hmm. that's not my play. Okay, this is what I see, Alex. This is Coach Smith. This is what I see. If you can close off that B-gap, Let's say there is no B-gap. You take that tackle and you close him off. You still got the C-gap. But guess what that has done to the defense? Now it's created our will linebacker, Lance Briggs. Now he can go anywhere. He don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that B-gap now, you know, because there is no B-gap. Mm-hmm. So, so you are the just, reason for all Lance's success, though. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> so, but it's just it's same, thing Same thing I did for Rue. Same thing I did for Rue. Yes, yes. Oh, it's man. seeing those little things about the defense to make to make the defense better, right? And I think oh. right now they're just they're just doing their learning. job, if you will. Gotcha. And they're learning, yeah. and there's little nuances about it that they're gonna have to understand. And now you need Roquan. I mean, we're talking about run, stopping the run. I mean, we need, we need, like you said. I mean, there's only so much effort is going to do. You need, you need some players at some point. You need some players with that effort, and that's when you get that really good team. So, um, it's just a, it's just learning. It's just learning. Guys getting in better shape. I mean, hell, when Lovey came here, I was 283 pounds when he called me in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on the beach with a Corona in my hand. He's like, Alex, we're gonna need you down. Down where? About 30 pounds. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wow. Okay. And that took me two years to get to 250, 255 in order to be able to play in this type of defense. Like mm-hmm. on a consistent basis and make plays, right? So like that type of stuff. It's just everything is just changing the culture, changing the body style of the current players that were here last year having them understand that this is totally different, totally different. It, it, there's nothing the same about – you remember um, Coach uh, – God, Blotch. oh, man. Blotch. You Blotch, remember Coach yeah. Blotch's defense mm-hmm. and then – Rex, Rex Norris, defense. right? Wasn't that your coach? Yes. Rex, Rex Norris, yeah. yes. Rex yeah. Norris is my uh-huh. coach. Like, yeah. we're talking a 
big, big defense where mm. this defense right here, it was small, quick, let's run um, all the time. So I think it's just a – there's a learning curve there. So so you're saying Ted, Ted, Keith, Phillip, and B-Rob were big defense? <laughs> no, 907 yes. was horrible, man. Was horrible. Oh, yeah. For the, for the Gosh, offensive line, man. absolutely. I, st- I, st- I still have neck problems from those years. <laughs> wow. Oh, Those are big dudes, man. I think uh, I think what people don't realize too, AB, um, at practice, the way that you guys practice, you know, takeaways and defense. I mean, mm-hmm. as backs, I mean, we would be we'd be jogging back to the huddle with the ball in our hand, and and Peanut would come behind us and punch the ball out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it it was I mean, it was to that point. Even if you caught a pass <laughs> on the sideline, and the guys and the guys that weren't in, the guys that weren't in the play. They're trying to punch the ball out of the sideline, <laughs> and I remember it used to it used to piss T. Jones off so bad. He would he would he, he would run the ball and he'd run like thirty yards downfield, and he starts you know finishing his run, and Peanut would come behind and punch the ball out, and he'd be wanting to choke Peanut. But you know, Peanut's practicing his craft, but at the same time, oh. I felt it made us better because now we had that sense of you know we got to have extra ball security, and it helped us in mm-hmm. games too because now we knew that you guys somehow some way. If you, you guys were going to punch that ball out, that ball was on the ground, you guys were going to pick it up. And I can remember watching some old practice uh, DVDs that I, that I had, and and I can see you guys, you know, it's an incomplete pass. You guys picking up the ball. And I can see mm-hmm. it this offensively too because, you know, you see Brother O chasing chasing the play. <laughs> chasing the play. It helped us in games, you know, we had a turnover. You know, we're, we we turned into defense. We're chasing the ball. We're chasing the play. So so, so we're, we're responsible – so uh, those, those five tackles Brother O had that, that one season, so we're responsible oh, no. for that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, on that note, I, I, I'm not an expert. I'll ask J-Mac. J-Mac, did you notice the way uh, Velas Jones was carrying the ball? Does he, does he hold it away from his body, or is that just me? Yeah, he also, he's got to keep that thing high and tight, you know, tuck yeah. that elbow yeah. in. Even, that even elbow on in. his long run, man, that thing yeah. was out. It was yeah. out mm-hmm. there, man. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I was interested in the way he was carrying the ball. And I don't, I'm, I, like I said, I'm not an expert on it. I wanted to ask you yeah. if you noticed the way he was, if he carried, like, does he have to work on that or not? Yeah, definitely. A lot. And the funny thing is, you know, I, I don't want to, well, I was going to say a lot of receivers do it, but, uh, but, you know, most of the time the guys who are carrying, carrying the ball out on the perimeter, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make a quick move or, or something like that. And that ball gets away from your body. And a lot of times, AB, you can you can attest to this. Defenders, they might not, they may not even be going for the ball. They may be trying to just, you know, have a good form tackle, and then their helmet, you know, mm-hmm. gets placed on the ball, and that ball's dislodged. As a running back, yep. you know, you know, I like to teach my kids three points of pressure. You know, you split the tip of the ball with your fingers. That ball's pressed against your forearm, and you tuck your elbow in. You tuck your elbow in. The defender can't punch the ball out from behind, but also. You also use your elbow as a weapon because now you can use your elbow and you can fight that defender off when he's trying to punch the ball out from behind. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, you know, that's a part of the offensive culture that the offensive coaches have to implement up there in terms of the ball carriers there. You know, ball security has to be a premium there because as we know, you know, in this in this league, you're turning the ball over, it decreases your chance of winning a game. You know, the worst Absolutely. thing you can ever do is is have a big play and then, you know, you get the ball punched out and then, you know, the fullback, we didn't get a lot of big plays. So, and every time where I'd have a big catch and that ball to get punched down, I'm pissed off because I'm saying, hey, you know what? I know Ron didn't call that play no more because I had bad ball security. So. <laughs>
talk about your guys' careers for a second. You guys hmm. were all teammates. Um, what was mm-hmm. that like? I know we talked before, Olin and Jason, and we all talked together about you two, but Alex, let's add you to the conversation as well. Um, how'd you guys get mm-hmm. along together? How'd you guys first meet? All that good stuff. Oh, man. Um, man. I was hitting the head a lot, so I don't really remember. You know what? <laughs> My first, the, 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 the the altog- I, I remember when Olin wanted to beat oh. me up. I remember that. <laughs> what? Yes. I knew this was going to circle back to me. But John, John, yes. you forget about when he tried to fight me. Oh, Alex tried to fight me one day because him and Big Gip went one-on-one in practice. Yeah. I don't, don't want to go the whole story. Oh, my God. And, I, and Big Gip hit Alex pretty hard. And I teased <laughs> Alex about it. And he, he yeah. both, I, I had to be like, Alex, I don't like it. I don't like that. But you have to relax, man. Yeah. <laughs> he did. You know what? That, that is a, that is actually that's a true story. Yeah, that is Big a true Gibby, story. Big Gibby hit me, and I'm telling you, I, I don't know if y'all remember Big, big Gibby. Man, bro. He's a big human that's being, a big strong man. Yeah. Yes. I, nobody could have convinced me right after that play that he didn't grab my face mask and yank it down. He didn't, no yeah, doubt. So we're talking about. So we're talking, John, about Aaron Gibson from University of Wisconsin. We okay. brought him here right tackle, mm-hmm. and he hit Alex in the chest. And Alex yeah. was screaming that he hit him in the neck or the face mask. So it almost yeah. had a fight between everybody. But the film <laughs> yeah. told a different story. So yeah. I, I it had did. to ask Alex about yeah, how did. he lied about it. And Alex was not happy about that, man. <laughs> I wasn't. I was Because I was, I was convinced that he hit me. So, And that wasn't a good thing. But I, I think from, from your question, I think we got along well because we all man. wanted the same thing. We all wanted to win, man. When we came here in 02, uh, J-Mac, 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 you got here in 02, right? I came here in 03. In 03, okay. So in 02, when I get here, they're coming off of the playoffs, right? They lose against Philly in the playoffs. And in my mind, I'm coming to a playoff team, and we're just going to keep rolling, right? Um, And then we go down to um, U of I. And we have to play down there in 02. How many guys ended up on IR that? I mean, there had half, to be 25. Yeah. I was yeah. snapping to Henry, uh, Henry Burris played in the last game. I think that was like the yep. fifth quarterback I snapped it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was brutal. It seemed like every week somebody went down. And we were just, we won the first two games and then we lost nine games in a row. Nine games in a row. And it was like, what is happening right now? And I remember um, distinctly, that we, that they, we were coming from Seattle and Jerry Angelo. We're at that point, we were, hey, we, we getting our butt whooped every week. We were playing cars or something on the plane, and he got mad and came back screaming at everybody. It was insane now. <laughs> um, but it was something that we needed to hear because it's not okay to lose. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be laughing and giggling and all that going on. So when these kids today, they hear us talking about it. It's not because we, we're just talking about we had every one of our se- – bro, those 13 seasons in the league weren't like 06, all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some dog years in there um, that we understand. Uh, f- um, 14. I'm sorry, 14. My bad, 14. 14, I'm sorry. Once hey, you mess up year, man. I'm sorry. Hey, you're going to have them coming after my, after my retirement, man. Don't, don't sell them. Right, you're going to have them coming pension. after my pension. pension. I, need oh, to go, James, I need to go man. a year more. I can't take hey, a year from you. You're trying to ruin my pension, man. Jeez. <laughs> that, man. That's, <laughs> hey, that's, that's like $500. He shorted you right there on your pension. I, I, I know, know man. Sorry. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> he already, hey, he already, he already got me fired from the after show. <laughs> now he's gonna show my face. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no way! No chance! No way! Oh, so, man. But, uh, but like we were saying, like we were saying, yes, um, it was all about winning, man. We wanted to win, oh. I think, and we got along well. And yeah. not that we didn't have our differences right, at times, but competitive mm -hmm. people do. You know, competitive yeah. people have differences. Um, you have strong opinions out there, but we all understood one thing, and this is what I think this team is lacking right now. On that team, our captains were 54 and 57. And there was no question about it. There was no question. So whatever they did, and they led like leaders do. So you get in line, and they're going to take us to the right spot. Right? They're going to take us to where we want to go. So, and that's all, that, that was the easy part of playing on this team, was the leaders were established. And it wasn't like, like, like where the coaches come in and they say, oh, these are going to be our captains now. No, 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 no. They earned it on the field, and we saw it every day. That They worked their ass off. They're the, probably the two most talented players on the field. So, hey, yeah, if, if Brother O don't do it and Erlacher don't do it, yeah, that, I probably should be doing it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you, know, you know, John, I'll just say this real fast to that question. Like, yeah. The, the best the best compliment you can get when you're a ball player is that guy when you walk in a room a bunch of football players look at each other and they go that's a ball player yep so so Alex and J Mac were ball players by that I mean they worked hard they did whatever you asked them to do uh, always enjoy being at practice always doing their job always part of the team moving in the right direction doing what being a pro is the hardest thing to be in the NFL because it's a long season you got to do your job you got to be totally committed to what you're doing. These two guys, man, like, but we had a lot of them in the building at that time. But these two yep. guys, if you like, I don't know if I enjoyed, like, that's why uh, we still talk to each other now. Like, you know, I do mm -hmm. podcasts with J Map. I talk to Alex every once in a while, go up and uh, uh, coach with J Map at Carmel Catholic because J Mac's the head coach. But it's just to be around him, be around him and Rashid uh, and my good friend Adam Hogue. And we just coach him, man. We just coach everybody up. But being a ball player is what it's about. Doing it the right way is what it's about. Yeah. And you look at that two guys right here on this podcast with you right now, that, that they, they're the epitome of that. How do you guys stay committed during all those losing seasons? Yeah, it was I mean, hard, man. It's yeah, hard. It Go ahead, Jay Mack. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, brother. It was. And, and like Brother O said, it's, it's, you know, it was one thing that we were teammates on the field, but we genuinely got along off the field. Mm -hmm. Like I always mm -hmm. say, our, our, our families know each other. You know, our kids mm -hmm. grew up together. You know, my kids look at A.B. like, you know, Uncle Alex, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Same thing with Brother O. Brother O's over at Carmel coaching my son. You know, I've seen Brother O's, uh, his boys grow up, you know, had an opportunity to help coach them when they're in middle school. Um, so we genuinely, you know, we were family. So regardless of the situation or the circumstance that we were facing on the field, we knew that as long as we stuck together and continued to, to stick together, it didn't matter what the media was saying, what the outsiders were saying. We kept everything in house and continue to, to put our nose down and, and to continue to grind. And you know, that's what we had to do. There were some there were some lean years there and we had a lot of great years, but whatever whatever adversity we were facing, we overcame we overcame and, and faced that adversity as a team, as a brotherhood. And like Brother O and Alex said, that's why we're still close to this day. Mm -hmm. You look at your team, when you look at your team, you have to understand how you win. How are you gonna win? And if 
like this team and what's you have to have an identity. Role, right? And what's your and, role? Yeah, and what's, and what's your, your role, role on that, that team? Yeah. It, yeah. When it's when we're playing, when we were playing and in, in the offense, and they're in certain situations, when it's third and one, fourth and inches, when we're in the NFC championship game and it's a minute to go in the hand in the first half, and it's fourth down, we're on the goal line. We already know as a defense on the sideline what we're running because we understand our identity. We understand that. Power O coming. Power mm-hmm. O is coming. This is what we're going to do if we need a yard, if we need two yards, if we need inches. This is what we're doing because as a defense, we understand what we're, what we're good at on offense. As an offense, they understand what we're good at. Coach Smith would preach it if we early on when he first got if we don't just let's not turn the ball over and let's not give up big plays on um on defense and then we got a chance and then we started to buy into that and then we started to get better at that and I I really it really does upset me when people mm. do talk about the 016 and they only talk about the defense that that bothers mm-hmm. me because our offense <clears throat> truly and this is numbers this saying this is facts they were ranked second in points per game at 27.2 points a game. Like, that, that's not by mistake. De- people say mm-hmm. Devin Hester. Devin Hester had six touchdowns that year. Not that I'm you know, I'm taking a shot at Hess. You can't. I mean, he's the greatest ever. But, like, that six touchdowns don't give you 27 points a game. That's offense. Regardless mm-hmm. of running the ball, throwing the ball. Like, um, Bernard Berrien doesn't go to Minnesota mm-hmm. and get $42 million because he wasn't catching the rock. You know, we had a lot of really good players on that team, and I think people kind of gravitate towards the defense, um, and I don't think that that's right. I think the offense did a hell of a job and was – they did. If they don't do their part, we don't make it to the Super Bowl. What do you guys think about the Super Bowl? Have you, have you guys gotten over it? Have you guys gotten over losing? I mean, you were so no. close. Do you ever get over it? Uh, never. I, and it's worse, you know, during that time of year, every year Super Bowl comes around <laughs> – they always, you know, replay the old games, and people are always asking you, hey, you played in the Super Bowl, didn't you? And, and sometimes I lie to them and say, no, nah, I didn't play in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to forget it. It's a, it's, a, it's a daily reminder, you know, there's something that reminds you of it. Uh, but in the day, you know, like I said, it was, a, it was a great opportunity to go to that game, playing it with your brothers, with the guys that we had in that locker room, especially a game as a kid. You, you grew up watching, you know, every Super Bowl Sunday, uh, to be a part of that history, uh, maybe not on the side of history you want to be on the winning side, but it was just a great opportunity to go there with, with the guys, the guys that we had in that locker room. So, you know, it's a win to be able to have that journey with those guys. But at the end of the day, you know, we didn't achieve the ultimate goal. I, um, you know, obviously answered that question many a times, but, but I actually, John asked that question. I got a great story. So I just flew back last night from Hawaii. I was on the red eye and I walked up to the um, gate and, you know, obviously it's everyone going to Chicago and his dad comes up to me with his son. He looks like he's about maybe 10 or 11. And he says, son, this is Olin Cruz. He played for the Chicago Bears. And the kid says, did you win the Super Bowl? And I go, no. And he goes, oh. And I go, that's it. And then instead of mom goes, the mom says, don't say that. And I go, no, he's right. Don't worry about it. That reaction is exactly right. Like, don't. Yeah. Uh, kids that age don't sugarcoat it. I, told, I looked at him. I said, you're right. It hurt that much. He was like, oh. And I was like, I know. Trust me. You don't get I, I, he goes, who did you lose? So I said, we lost to the coach. The quarterback was Peyton Manning. And he goes, oh, yeah, I think I know him from Madden. 
Wow. <laughs> that's, how fast, that's how fast you get forgotten in this league. Man. Yes. You know what wow. I mean? Absolutely. They don't even know the Hall of Fame quarterback. But I thought that when John asked that question, that just happened to me yesterday. Oh, I, you know, I have kids that age, so they're going to say exactly they're right. Like that helped. He was like, hey, Alex, and, and J-Mac, he was like, oh. I go, yes. That's, yes. That's exactly how you I are right. every time. We lost yep. it. That's yeah, exactly right. Yes. yes. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like when you come on a podcast to talk about the preseason game. And then John asked you about that. You know what I mean? So you almost said to yourself, should I go back on WCKG radio? You know what I mean? Like, you try to wonder. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, listen, you're going to have to start. Hey, John, you're going to have to start paying us if you start asking questions like that. <laughs> John, John, I'll, John, I'll say this. I'll say that because I just said, I just talked about the offense and how, how good I, re- I thought our offense was that, that season. Um, I thought we had one of the better defenses in the league. I think we had the top special teams in the league. Mm-hmm. I still believe this is, what is it, been 18 or 15 years or whatever it's been. I still believe we had the best team. And we just well, didn't well, win that if day. Every, if, well, if everyone was healthy, if, yeah. if Mike Brown and Tommy right. Harris were healthy, Correct. I think you're right. Yeah, yep. I think you're right. I just, I mean, so that's for me, that's why it hurt so bad. Because mm-hmm. I think we did it. We We went from... 03, um, well, for Olin, it was even before that, but my 02 season, terrible. 03, well, the coach got fired. Coaches don't usually get fired when you're good. Mm-hmm. Then 04, we have another bad season. And then 05, things aren't looking real good when we're one and three to start that season off. And mm-hmm. then it turns around. And then we get to the point, everything we've talked about, everything, I mean, for players that make it to that level, most of them have dreamed about being on the field when all those cameras go off in the Super Bowl, and now you're here with the best team, and it goes off, and it, the kickoff, he kicks it back, he runs it back for a touchdown. Like, everything was right there for us. And I think that's the part that hurts so much that we truly, I think we should have won that game, man. We really should have. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the part that hurts when, not just when the question's asked, but when I go to a function and I wear my NFC championship ring, knowing that, Dang, that should have been a world championship ring. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just – and I always thought maybe uh, before we went was I'd rather not go than go and lose. Mm-hmm. I've changed that thought because that was a hell of a run. That was a mm-hmm. hell of a season. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but it just didn't end the way we wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't think – I don't think – I don't think any guy on their team is going to hang their head because it was an absolute honor and pleasure to play with that team. Mm-hmm. It really was. That, that team was a uh, – that was a team. That that, that was a team, of, uh, you know, uh, Saturdays were, gosh, I mean, a movie game, dodgeball, yeah. baseball in the locker room. I mean, yeah. in four square, uh, the barbecues <laughs> outside at camp. I mean, if anybody yeah. had more fun than us. I mean – No, uh, no so, chance. So, um, losing like, – like the kid told me at the gate, oof, yes, it oof. sucked. It really did. It really did. But, but I, ain't, I ain't never going to hang my head. Yeah. About that no. 2016, it, it was my pleasure and my honor to play with those guys for sure. Yeah, and you and you really got to savor moments like that because you know the the roster is always changing. And I remember you know watching that confetti come down in Miami. And you're sitting there watching the Colts celebrate, and you're like, hey, you know what? We're gonna we'll be back here next year. But you know, mm-hmm. all everybody that was in the locker room. I mean, new guys coming in, new guys coming out. So it's like Brother O said, it was definitely an honor to do with those guys. And you're young and you don't think about it. But, hey, you know what? 
you know, th that was the last time that, you know, some of us played with some of the guys that we you know, went to the Super Bowl with. So mm -hmm. that's yep. why when teams talk about a short window and organizations like, hey, we got a chance now, you know, you got to do your best to capitalize on it. Yep. Hey, John, you got any more preseason questions for me? Because if not, I got to go. I think we're good. I think we're good for now. I mean, I did right, want to ask man. about who was best it. at dodgeball, but that's okay. We can save that for another time. <laughs> quarterbacks were John the quarterback. Yes, quarterback. You got to yes, dodge those guys. You black eye, bam. Talk there with Olin Krutz, Jason McKee, and Alex Brown. Really good Bears talk. Really appreciate you tuning in for the hour-long conversation. Remember, for all of my content, podcasts, interviews, articles, and videos, log on to sportstalkchicago.com. That's sportstalkchicago.com. Thank you again for listening, and so long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?